What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Complete Center's Guide. I am your host, Tyler Fowler. With me, as always, Noah J. Chalai. What is going on, my brother? Hey, Tyler. Doing well. How about yourself? Good, man. Like you said last week, like Dave Ramsey says, better than I deserve. I know I deserve a lot worse than what I'm getting. And that just, it builds me up. It builds me up in the faith. It builds me up. It gives me confidence in God to see him actually stand with me through my trials, through my temptations, through my falls, as I've experienced this week. We might get into that a little bit later, but tonight on the Complete Sinners Guide, we're talking about deconstruction and apostasy within the church. With me, I have Joshua Davidson, Jimmy Davidson, uh, and Joshua Sherman. Guys, what's going on? What's up, man? Hey, hey. I love everybody's little, you know, greeting. Hey, hey, what's up? I love it. I love it. Anyway, so what? How, what's been going on, guys? How's how's uh, how's the month been going for you? And what's new uh, in your all's life? Well, I I have a, a meeting with the new CEO of the organization that I work for next Monday, and uh, there's nice. going to be some big transitions going on within the company, and probably a, a tightening up on the reins in some areas, and. I'm nervous and excited because he seems like a people person, you know, um, he seems like a really, really nice guy. And I got to hear some of his testimony and, uh, at least I, I have, he has my respect. Um, but he seems kind of like a guy that would be hard to get to know because he's so, uh, so easily likable, you know, around people that he seems like he'd probably be a pretty private person. So I'm excited to have a private meeting with him because that's, um, that's something I can look forward to. I really, I do like people. <laughs> Yes, you do. And and from the times that we, you know, we've kind of known each other and, and just been in discussion about God and theology and all of our ups and downs, even our, our complete friendship, you've definitely been considered considered a people person. So so thank you for that, man. We'll be we'll definitely be praying for you, bro. And uh, and thank hope you. all goes well uh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Joshua Sherman. Uh, so, Joshua, this is so if you remember on Monday, I posted a um a a promo basically for um what we were going to do tonight and 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 that has changed we were going to do a basically a round table uh, appreciation day and all the guys were going to get to do you know choose their topic and talk about it you know because i do appreciate all the things that these guys have contributed to the show csg would not be what it is now uh without them so thank you um both of you guys for joining us travis worth I know we wanted to be here. I know Chase did, Ty did, uh, everybody that has contributed to the roundtable episodes. I really appreciate you guys. I love you all. And if there's anything ever that you need uh, from me or Noah, just let us know, man, because y'all, y'all, we love you guys. Amen to uh, that. But, but, but uh, Joshua Sherman, you're going to lead this. So we've kind of, things have, you know, they had other things to do tonight. And, you know, that that's fantastic. But so Joshua Sherman, this was his uh, choice and topic that he wanted to talk about. So, so man, what's new in your life? And then if you would want, uh, just lead us in this discussion. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Oh, man. Um, well, <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, one of those little big news things for me. Um, I uh, was leading worship at, at my church and had for the last about six years uh, until last October. Uh, stepped back to um, basically just do less and uh, make room for doing some more things like this and um, and study more and and try to de-stress a bit because uh, it's been a little crazy. Um, and so I've been in this period of just kind of stepping back and not really doing a whole lot of church. I'm actually going to be up front uh, as part of the worship 
uh, team uh, this Sunday, um, just playing guitar and singing. So um, someone else is leading. I don't have to try to coordinate anything, which is great. <laughs> um, but it was, it was really, really beautiful just being back in rehearsal uh, last night and just kind of going through things and just like, wow, like I miss this and it's, it's right. meaningful. It's important. And, and I meet God here. So um, that's just a really kind of neat um, thing to kind of be back doing a little bit, uh, obviously in a different capacity and uh, far less often than I was uh, when it was every week. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's I, awesome. I, I definitely understand what it is like to not have to organize everything and just be a part of it. Just do what somebody else tells you to do. And it's cool, right? Like I can just show up and, Hey, this is your show. This is what, just tell me what to do. I'll make you happy. But, but that's awesome, man. So congrats on that. Let's, let's dive in deconstruction apostasy. This was, this was your choice. You know, you wanted to talk about this topic. What, what do you see kind of going on in the church and I mean, we all see it, but if you could just dive in, man, let's, uh, let's get started on this thing. All right. Uh, well, we've talked about some different aspects of this before. Uh, when we talked about, you know, the need for discipleship, uh, when we talked about um, the woke church and, and progressive Christianity and some of the ways that that is kind of inherently deconstructing um, and um, ways that people can, can kind of maybe go a little too far in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just wanted to, to kind of focus on, on this topic, um, just to look at maybe some of the, what's been happening with people, um, in kind of the, you know, famous people in Christianity, which is pretty much means not famous to anybody else, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, what's been happening with people that, that were big, especially, you know, back in the nineties and the early two thousands, um, that have, have since walked away from the faith and usually done so in a somewhat public even in some cases, kind of bitter way. Um, and, you know, I, that's not to say all, all of the people we're going to talk about, you know, fall in that category or, or to cast any, any blame or anything at them, but just as examples of people that have, have done this uh, and then kind of look at why. Uh, and, you know, again, not trying to read anybody's minds and say, well, this person did it because of this thing, sure. um, but just some of the general reasons that people uh, do end up walking away from the faith and then really just looking at some of the ways that we can can really try to work against that dynamic uh, in the society that we're in, in the time that we're in. I just, let me add to that. There are people who walk away from the faith, professing Christians who fall away and, and fall away sometimes, you know, finally. Um, there are different reasons. You know, I just have to piggyback mm-hmm. on what you were saying there, Josh. There are different reasons. There are circumstances that we don't know. And, and, and that's, here's where I take comfort in God. He knows all circumstances. He knows everything. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing not only that, but how to intervene in what way. Sometimes it may take a while even. And, and no one, let me, let me just add to this. And then, uh, Jimmy, I'll give it to you. But until you breathe your last breath here on earth, you're not final. I, I don't Amen. believe that. I think that. I think there's one sin that's unforgivable. I do think that there's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Jesus speaks about this, but I don't think that we know who does that because I think it's a heart thing. I really do. Um, but Jimmy, what are your thoughts on this subject? Because it is really, it, it's real. And, you know, true believers or not, these people are professing Christ. So on some surface level, there is some kind of connection there. So, so if you would, uh, Jimmy, what are your thoughts on this? Um, well, honestly, um, 
something like apostasy or um, walking away from the faith or, you know, falling from grace or whatever kind of term you want to use for the whole idea. It's, 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 it's uncomfortable for the church because it's one of those, uh, it's one of those things that stares us in the face so constantly that we try to pretend like it's not there. Um, and it only just gets louder, you know? Yeah. Um, the, the, the problem that I well, not, not the problem, but one of the things that I see that's so evidently lacking that I think, um, is, is definitely contributing to the problem is, is a lack of, uh, like we were talking about this before, a lack of discipleship and spiritual authority being present in the life of the believer so that they have the habit and the, the, the ability and the, the opportunity to learn how to be humble and how to submit and how to look up toward spiritual authority and, and receive rather than trying to always be, uh, uh, you know, like, like a lone wolf kind of experience that people think Christianity. So it's my walk. It's like, yeah, it is, but it's not like that. You know, it's, yeah, it's right. not like that. It's, it's, a, it's never ever been a lone wolf experience for the Christian. It's not meant to be. We are not single celled organisms. We are a body. And it's mm-hmm. crucial that we understand that we don't, we, we're not going to do ourselves any favors by cutting off during hardship. Mm-hmm. That's when you press in and you receive healing from the rest of the body, you know, um, and we're not being not not we I've been taught this, but other people haven't been taught this. Other people haven't heard this before, that it is the church's job to be loving toward itself as right. well as toward the world. Right. right. It's not mm-hmm. just the, the, the mission field outside that matters to the body. It should be the inside of the body. Because if our body is unhealthy, we're not going to be much good to our neighbor, you know? Um, totally. So it's it's one of those things where the church needs to kind of wake up and be a little more self-aware of the fact that we're completely lacking in disciples and leaders. We've got a bunch of uh, lone wolves coming together with their Sunday faces and hymn singing rotary clubs. And the churches are being hollowed out because the world is looking prettier every day because Christianity is getting harder, you know? And it's like when people who are half-hearted come against difficulty, they're willing to sacrifice something they don't love for something easier. Mm. I I was reading an article today, reputable or not, I'm not sure, um, but from religionnews.com. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that website or not, but it says, the article uh, title says, Christianity as we know it is dying. Let's welcome the new life ahead. Um and, and then he goes on to say, maybe maybe jumping in this a little too soon, I don't know, but he says this, for me, the answer is clear. What can we do to fight this? What, you know, how, how do we as Christians, for those, his words is for people who still believe like me, right? He says, what's the answer to fighting this thing? To, to I mean, because there's, we all know people who have been big names, big, big names in the faith. Uh, Ravi Zacharias now being one of them people um, whose actions spoke a little bit differently than what he professed. Not wanting to get into that, but that's just an example. Um, but but here, here's what the, the author of this article says. He says, for me, the answer is clear. The time for Herculean efforts to stave off institutional death is past. We're going to have to start living what we say we believe and welcoming new life in radical ways. Josh Sherman, what are your thoughts on that? Oh man. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, um, 
I, I think one of the things we have to be careful with as we look at this issue is um, being careful to, to really discern between what, what we're talking about, the decline of Christendom and the decline of Christianity. Sure. Um, because in some ways they're connected. So you think of Christendom as um, living in a world where most of the people you know identify as Christians, right, mm-hmm. and what that looks like and um, how we act and how that can... Uh, in some ways, you know, really kind of just contribute to a more shallow sense of faith because uh, we're not being challenged or because identifying as Christian is just the thing everyone does. So people do it and it may not mean much to them. Um, So I I definitely see, you know, the decline of Christendom in in the States, for sure, in the West. Um, And and that's that's been happening for a long time in in Europe. We're, We're kind of just starting to catch up in some ways. Yeah. Um, it's it, the faith is growing a lot in the global south, though. So uh, we have to keep in mind, you know, when we're talking about the decline of something, uh, there's a bit of a narrow focus on that. If you look at, you know, Africa and South America, it, it's you know, Christianity is exploding there. Yeah, in China, so we see the church growing. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. And and what does that look like? Mm-hmm. It looks very. It looks different in a lot of ways. Um, what we're talking about today is a little different in that, you know, it's like talking about kind of this this trend of individuals who are walking away from Christianity and the fact that, um, you know, a fair number of people are starting to do that, um, whether they're, you know, kind of famous within Christendom or not, um, and then just kind of saying why. And some of that um, is, I'm, I'm sure, is probably just people that were nominal Christians because it was the comfortable thing to do or they grew up with that label but didn't really ever dig in, sure. uh, walking away from it, and in which case the two are very related. Um, in other cases, you know, it can be other things. I mean, people go through, you know, genuine hardships and terrible things within the church or abuse within the church, and they mm-hmm. walk away because of it. And, you know, I don't think any of us would blame somebody for being gun shy about an organization where they've experienced that kind of pain. So there, there's a broad spectrum, I, I think, of kind of why people kind of start down that road. Um, and, uh, so, you know, in as much as we obviously want to be pushing back against any kind of um, influence that would be we encouraging people to walk away from the faith, um, you know, recognizing that there are different reasons people do. And some of those are, are honestly pretty valid from a human perspective, that if people are, are thinking more about their interactions with the church and less about their interactions with God, it can be very easy to walk away from the church if you've been hurt by the church. Right. Absolutely. Um, so, Yeah. Sure, no, and just if you, let me just speak to those who are listening, maybe that have been hurt in some way, shape, or form by the church. If that's happened to you, this is some just practical advice, you know, that that has helped me throughout my walk. I look at it like this. I wouldn't let anyone, anyone, interfere, or, or I wouldn't let anyone interfere with my marriage with my wife. I would not let that happen, right? You can't control, I learned this at work uh, the other day, you can't control other people's actions, but you can surely limit them. And so I would not let, like I said, anyone, anyone interfere with my relationship with my wife. So with that being said, for those who have been hurt, I'm sorry. And, and, and I hate mm-hmm. that. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus told us to do. Jesus told us to love our brothers and sisters. But at the same time, don't let anyone, those people are not Jesus, and you, you're professing to be in a relationship with a real person who really died and really rose from the dead. 
th- this is flesh and bone Jesus has. And so with that being said, this is a real relationship. Don't let anyone interfere with that relationship. I would say, I would interject to that, say anything or anyone. Yeah. And when you say you can't, con- you can't control people's actions, I agree with that part. You can limit them. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but I definitely would say that you can choose to how you respond to those actions. Oh, sure. Right? Well, and you can limit their influence in your life Mm. in certain ways. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. obviously, if we're talking about someone in a leadership position, you may not be able to limit them as much as you would like. Sure. Um, But, you know, if you have somebody that, um, you know, really is uh, manipulative and abusive um, within your circle of, uh, you know, people you know at church, um, Mm -hmm. if they're not in a leadership position, you know, you can choose whether or not you're hanging out with that person. Uh, right. And sometimes that may be, you know, saying, well, you know, they always show up to this Bible study and I can't handle that uh, yeah. and, and finding other places to get fed because of that. And that's painful. Um, but, sure. you know, just recognizing that, you know, we, we don't the true true kind of reason to be going to church shouldn't be just this is what I'm used to or this feels comfortable or, um, you know, I like having a group of people around me. But really primarily it should be i'm finding christ here yeah right right um and so if if people are doing that and then they're in a situation where that becomes unhealthy because there are people that um you know aren't uh really living the way they should be um Mm -hmm. then sometimes that just means finding a different situation where you find christ you know because um, here's the thing too we're all brothers and sisters And, and jimmy i'll give it to you after this but we're all brothers and sisters worshiping the same God, the same Savior. We all are, are brothers and sisters under that banner that is faith in Christ, right? And so sometimes, yes, switching churches or, or relocating to a different church, finding a new church body is sometimes necessary, especially if you are going or, or experiencing an abusive uh, relationship within your own uh, church. Uh, Jimmy? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I personally, I've never experienced abuse in a church. I've experienced, you know, bad attitudes and conflicts and ruffled feathers every once in a while, but mm-hmm. never abuse in my own life. And so somebody, I, I'm an empath. Yeah. And if somebody has experienced abuse from somebody in the church, I know the kind of trust that I've extended to people in the church. And I know how deeply harming that would be to me. And so um, you have my prayers and my sympathy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But but also to, to know that... Um, as, as was said before, people are not God. People are not your safe, your safe retreat. They're not your refuge. Um, they're your family, but families can be just as harmful. And, and even Jesus said, those who's my, who's my mother and my brother and my sisters, those who are doing the will of God. Um, and so, you know, it's, 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 it's okay to say this wasn't okay, but it's not okay to say it was God or, I don't want to be in the church or I, I, it's Jesus's fault or Jesus is fake now because someone has transgressed me. I don't think that that's an appropriate reaction. Um, and again, I'm speaking from inexperience and so that might sound callous, but I'm really not trying to be callous. Um, uh, but, but the other thing that, that I think really stands out about the, the absence, you know, not necessarily the things that are forwardly causing apostasy, but the absence of something that could avoid it also is the presence of real apologetics and, and real, uh, real thought, because the, the church has been taught that, um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't matter that you're a fool given that you, you know, 
say the right words and 10,000 hallelujahs and, and come to church and that you're devout and all that. It's like that it doesn't matter that you don't know any better, that you don't really know how to articulate your belief or why you believe it or know how to find, you know, somebody who can help you learn how to articulate your belief and why you believe it. Or if you don't know, then finding out why you believe what you believe and how to articulate it um, and, and be able to um, withstand the wiles of the devil, really, because uh, the truth is, 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 is crucial to being able to um, uh, avoid uh, the pitfalls of deception, really. Like deception works because we, we want to, we, we are believing creatures. That's what we do. You know, and so it, it, if deception didn't work, Satan wouldn't use it so often, you know, um, and, and we need to know better so that we can um, avoid some of these pitfalls. And, and you know, it, it, half the problem, I think, is that the church has become afraid of engaging information because um, a lot of people have been told that, you know, well, it, these are these are mutually exclusive things. It's, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, faith and reason are enemies or something absurd like that. And it doesn't that, that doesn't scan in real life. Like yeah. real life does comport with Christianity fully, wholeheartedly. It is correct and true and and it's livable. It's not unlivable. It's it's true and it's Amen. livable, you know, Amen. and it's like that that that's a thing that people really need to hear. They need to know that, that it doesn't conflict with reality and science doesn't make this questionable. Science doesn't even have a thing to say about it. (laughs) Touche brother. Touche. No, Josh is on a roll, man. Keep going. (laughs) Well, I, I, I don't, I'm not trying to like, you know, be a rhino in a tea shop, but that's, that's one of those things that really bothers me. Um, and, and, and it's, it's for me because I, I'm a thinking person. Uh, and I'm very inquisitive and God for thank God he did, but it gave me the ability to say, why, why, mm-hmm. why really? Why? And, and many other people have been given that same ability and they've used it to their best of their ability, but they didn't have God in the foreground to give them the essence of what it would look like to have a why, and so all they got to was how, and that's why science has become so prominent is we want to know how things work. And science is very good for that. It's the perfect tool, but you'll never get to why you'll never understand the purpose, the meaning you'll never understand. Why are you here? What is this really? Right. I mean, ultimately science can only answer how you got here and not, they're not even doing a really good job of that. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's so much, things that science has contributed but like you said josh christianity does not conflict with science science and christianity work extremely extremely well together but where do you see where do we see this kind of downfall of people straying away from christianity does it begin with the enlightenment age or does it go further back than that i mean we're talking about america obviously but is that where we really see it start playing or, or start snowballing in effect or, or what well, your, uh, I, I think thoughts. if we yeah. if we take it you know even further back than that we could start just with with some of the words that Jesus had about people falling away mm-hmm, um, sure. and then you know we can build on that and look at some of the specific challenges we have in society today uh, post enlightenment mm-hmm. um, postmodernism uh, like the phase of society that we're in right uh, so looking at uh, the parable of the sower 
Um, I think this is really helpful for us to kind of understand uh, some of the different things uh, that we see in Scripture. Uh, and that's not to say that that what we see in Scripture are the only reasons people might be struggling, right? That's why we want to talk about some of these other things that are specifically modern challenges that have kind of been added to this. Um, but we'll use this as a baseline. Uh, Jesus going from town to town, he tells this parable. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some of it fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil, and it came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out and he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Uh, and a lot of people didn't understand, uh, but he actually goes on to explain specifically to his disciples. He says, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God, uh, which I, we, I've talked about before. I would contend is, is usually either Jesus or the gospel in the New Testament. Those yeah. along the path are the ones who hear, and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they cannot believe and be saved. Those on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Mm. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on the good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. So that, to me, speaks pretty clearly about some of the causes of this and some of the things that we can do to try to push back against it in general, right? Um, so we see the devil coming and taking away this, the word from their hearts, right? How do we fight that, right? It's not um, something we can, you know, get our boxing gloves ready for. <laughs> sure. um, but, you know, I, I really think that that is being rooted in the word and in prayer. Um, because that's that's how we fight. These are the words, that, uh, the, the the weapons that we have to fight. We have this armor of God. We have prayer. Um, other things that we see here, we see that um, the ones who receive it with joy, um, but then they have no root, and when the time of testing comes, they fall away, right? Um, mm. And so, you know, what do we need to do with that? I think we need to be really trying to, uh, to dig deeply into Christ, into scripture, into Christian fellowship, so that we do have roots, so that we are ready for times of testing and trial. And we're not just looking at, at God as the, the ATM machine in the sky that's going to give me, you know, uh, whatever blessing I, I'm, I'm naming and claiming, right? Mm -hmm. um, there has to be more to our faith than that. Let me ask yeah, I agree with that. Let me ask you a question, yeah, yeah. Joshua. What something uh, in that uh, parable? Let me just pull it up real quick. Um, yeah. Whenever they hear, immediately Satan comes and snatches the word that was sown in them. Paul mm -hmm. says in Second Corinthians four, and I think this is extremely important in this uh, discussion. Paul starts out Second Corinthians four. He says, "Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged, but." We have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. He goes on, mm -hmm. even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, 
among whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, so they would mm-hmm. not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God. And, and he, he goes on then, but, but whenever you know Jesus says in, in that parable of the sower, Satan comes and snatches the word for those who don't believe. Paul then, you know, I think there's a connection there. But Paul, mm-hmm. the point I want to make here is, even though that does happen, and like you said, Josh, we have no control over that. Notice what Paul says in verse 2. But we have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. Even though this happens, we Mm -hmm. continue as Christians to live like Jesus, because even though there's some that this happens to, I mean, there's just no, there's no doubt about it, right? There's the... we still live like Christ commanded us to because God, the, the, the day he returns, until the day he returns, we keep preaching the gospel. And not only until he returns is that the end of it, right? But until then, until that happens, we are to spread the gospel to the nations. And the more people that come, the better, in my opinion. Josh? Which one? <laughs> Joshua. <laughs> oh man. Um I, I mean absolutely. Uh absolutely. It's uh you know and I, I think you know when when Paul is really aiming, you know leaning into speaking the truth there um I, I think he's probably again specifically referring to the truth of the gospel that it is not um and particularly in in that case it was with with you know um with Gentiles that had been living in in a place where you know you you pretty much kind of had to worship your local God or bad things would happen, whether it was persecution or whether the gods would seem like, you know, seem to get angry. Um, You know, like people just had, had this sense that like they couldn't walk away from that practice, from that cult. And um, part of that, that truth of the gospel was, was Paul saying, no, like you don't have to be afraid anymore. You Mm -hmm. know, Jesus has conquered all. And, (laughs) um, and, you know, so it's not just that, that, um, you know the, the the certificate of the debt of our sins has been nailed to the cross, which is mm. absolutely true. Um, but he also conquered the powers uh, when he uh, rose from the grave, when he, and when he died, he went you know went under the earth and kind of cleaned house. <laughs> right, absolutely. Um, so, and just to just to yeah. you know jump on what what Jimmy said a while ago, you know about this being a livable, practical thing. God gives mm-hmm. us His Holy Spirit. You're right. He not only uh, you know conquered sin at the cross. But he also gives us his Holy Spirit so that we may conquer sin here. And it starts with love. It starts with doing what Paul you know, says in verse 2 here. We have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness, right? And so whenever right. we stop doing those things and start putting on the armor of God and the new man, then we mm-hmm. become more like Christ in, in practice, and we actually start living a life that people, you know, see. I want to just, I've said this quote before, but I think it applies so, so beautifully here. And then Jimmy, you can have it. Um, But I forget who said it exactly, but it goes like this. People say that the Bible is to be the light of the world, but that's not true. The Christian is the light of the world. Why? No one reads the Bible, but everyone reads the Christian. Jimmy? Yeah, I, I am 
absolutely enamored with this uh, this conversation right now because this is yeah. sparking a thousand things in my head. Um, but I'm really, I, I really agree with with the tone of of uh, like when you read the parable of the sower. Uh, it, it was interesting that that kind of encapsulated most of the complaints that we had made toward mm-hmm. uh, uh, the, the the issue. Uh, before you had read that. And it was really, it's just beautiful how that was such a remarkable summary of even what's still happening right now and how reliable and correct Christ was when he said that long before we had the problems that we're facing right now. Um, and and what's remarkable is that, you know, the, the, the portion that really stood out to me in this in this conversation particularly was the, the fact that the the devil was snatching up seats, you know, yeah. um, and it would seem to me that there's there's a lot going on there. But experientially, that would be something like, um, you know, the the shepherd compromising the flock one lamb at a time. You know, mm-hmm. thinking that he doesn't have to go after that lion or that bear. It's just one sheep. It's just one sheep. I have 3,000 sheep. But pretty soon, you don't have 3,000 sheep. Because one lamb at a time, your compromise will cost you everything. Right. Right. And no, it's, I think that the, there's a, the, the, the prominent part of that is a lack of submission to spiritual authority. No discipleship. You know, if you don't have... Um, because with that comes the ability to be accountable toward yourself, toward God and toward a third party, you know, and, and that, that becomes reciprocal because your leaders also, uh, put you in a position to be able to trust somebody, be vulnerable to somebody, you know, um, open your heart and your mind towards somebody and then learn from them, the things that they have, the wisdom and the nuggets. And, and they tell you how to stay under the spout where the blessings come out. Like you need somebody like that. Well, it and all so do back. our leaders, right? I mean, yeah. that's part yeah, of the challenge we're having is that we have, you know, a lot of organizations, The there's some leader at the top that really isn't accountable to anybody. Right. Um, mm. And it, that can change depending you know, on, like, if it's a, a church or a nonprofit organization that has a board and how that's structured and all of that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, you can really, you can see where, um, especially churches that start off with, you know, pastor plants a church and then pastor kind of grows up the church pastor stays at the church for a long time if that pastor doesn't submit to the authority of of elders there's Mm -hmm. or to a denomination that's above them there's a problem right Mm -hmm. because again you have uh you know somebody that's in leadership that is is not submitting to to someone else that doesn't have that accountability um and and they can steer you know the whole ship you know when you that's right uh, you know somebody that's you know part you know comes to church and doesn't really interact with anybody they can totally crash and burn themselves but they're not as likely to take a bunch of people with them uh whereas your leaders you know there's a reason that the teachers will be held to a higher account uh, yes right. so yeah right. that's that's a a big thing well, and, and yeah go ahead no go ahead finish your thought josh i was just gonna say you know i think um that is is just a another kind of reason to be reminded of um, the need to to both kind of on the defensive end um, push away from life's worries and riches and pleasures uh, mm. because, you know, that can keep us from maturing. But then on the offensive end, making sure that we're making ourselves good soil uh, by having a, a noble and a good heart, by hearing the word, retaining the word, and mm-hmm. by persevering. Uh, and so mm. you get that sense of like, you know, I need to value the word. I need to retain it. 
and I need to persevere. And, you know, again and again, you know, we talk about this, but that sense of discipleship, that sense of kind of ownership of making your faith your own right. uh, and and then developing in that with uh, mentor relationships, with peer relationships mm-hmm. is, is so important. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. Because we have to water the so we have to water the seed. I mean, that's that was why one of the seeds in the parable dried up. They didn't get any water. They didn't receive any moisture. And so it is our job to water what someone else has sown. Right. That that's mm-hmm. and God causes the growth. Joshua, I want to ask you um, real quick. What do you think talking about leaders? I mean, Paul says here again, Second Corinthians four, verse two. A little bit later on in the verse, he says, or distorting the word of God. We don't distort the word of God. Let me ask you this, Josh. What impact, what's the impact of cheap grace? We we hear that word a lot uh, yeah. in, in our society and, and especially within Christianity. What do you think the impact of cheap grace is on this subject? And what do you think some of the modern challenges we as as the church are facing today? Oh, man. It's so... There's one of the things that we have to be careful with is to be really um, precise in the way that we're talking about free grace uh, and uh, grace in general. Right. Um, Paul Rarclay in, in Paul and the, and the Power of Grace um, talks about different perfections of grace and, and basically just you know talking about different ways that people express that grace, a particular kind of grace or expression of grace, is bigger or greater or better than another. Uh, so you can think about things in terms of like, wow, that was like more grace than I expected, right? So that's a perfection of quantity, mm-hmm. right? It's it's bigger and, and, and more than we expect. You could talk about uh, grace um, being perfected in other ways, too. Sometimes people will talk about it in terms of like, well, if that person is gracious, I might see them as gracious, if, uh, like more gracious than uh, someone that's gracious sometimes but also holds people to account, Right. Uh, and so I think sometimes we can get into kind of distorted views of of what it means uh, to be gracious and, and talk ourselves into to thinking, you know, God is gracious, therefore he never judges. Um, but we <laughs> we clearly see. I mean, Paul even talks about the fact that yeah. part of part of his gospel is that Jesus is going to judge the world. <laughs> you know, yeah. um, Matthew so, 24 and 25, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, we, <laughs> we can't exactly go there. Right. Um, yeah. And and I think another kind of uh, distortion of this is uh, sometimes, especially in Western society, because we don't understand uh, the the kind of Mediterranean context of gift giving, um, we think of grace as a free gift, meaning that not only was it given without, you know, it's like, I'm just going to give this to you instead of um, saying, you know, hey, uh, do you want to buy this for me, right? I'm not receiving payment at the same time. I'm just giving it. But we also look at free grace and we can think like it's all it's not only unconditional in that you're just giving it to me no matter what, but also it's unconditioned, meaning you have no mm. expectations for what I do with that gift. You have right. no expectations for and and frankly, I, I think that idea of, of God having no expectations for us is unbiblical. Um, right. because yeah. he's predestined us to become conformed to the image of his son. Amen. <laughs> that's Amen. an expectation. You know, that's also work that God does. It's not legalism because it's not us chasing after it by things we can somehow do that make us holy, but it's God making us holy as we continue to press into him, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the, the unique challenges right now is that we live in a society of individualism, 
right? So we don't even think about the community around us so much. Everything we think about is filtered through ourselves. And right. when we think about us, we think about us as a group of individuals. We don't think about us together as a single body and, right. and how much more that helps us to think about how we're hurting other people if we are uh, really you know, in a destructive mode. Um, we also, that kind of leads us to subjectivism. So it's, you know, well, I'm the one that's going to decide what's true, right? When you are in a place where you're in, thinking individualistically, you're thinking subjectively, and then you have this idea taught to you that grace is free, therefore you can kind of do what you want, mm. even if that second half isn't stated, it's something, it's where you're going to go. Uh, and so I think we right. just we need to be really careful when we're talking about grace and, and preaching grace to also preach as Christ, uh, uh, Christ, Christ too. But um, I'm <laughs> specifically thinking in this instance about Paul, where he says, you know, should I be, you know, continuing to sin so that grace may increase? No, right. Um, so I think we need to be working to address the fact that we live in an individualistic, in a subjectivistic society, where mm. people are just kind of setting up their own standards and then running with it. In, in being careful about how we preach things like grace, because I don't want people to misunderstand the fact that God has given this gracious gift yeah. to, you know, Jew and Gentile alike, you know, kind of regardless of people's status, regardless of the worth that we would give them as a person, according to some standard in the world. It's really opposite. Jesus didn't care. It's really <laughs> opposite did, you know. of what the world expects. You expect the rich and the famous to prosper, but no, Jesus yes. says, no, 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 the exalted will be humbled and the humble will be exalted. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, mm -hmm. Josh, but go ahead. No, totally, totally. I mean, there's definitely that sense of reversal, and that's that's one of the kind of the key things that, that Paul Barclay talks about is that, you know, mm -hmm. he just— Paul really expects from from Barclay's view that this gift that God gives of Christ to people, regardless of their social status, their their wealth, anything else that we would judge people by, is something that completely upended all of those social structures to the point where the body of Christ is just a completely different thing uh, than any other um, you know organization of people that we could ever become a part of because. The yeah. worth that people have is set by the the value of the gift that God gave for us of Himself. Amen. Right? Amen. And just kind of looking at this from another perspective as well, you see the direct attack. I mean, on Christianity, that both individualism and subjectivism is playing on the church, right? I mean, it, it, they're exact opposites. They're contrasting one another. Christianity says, love your neighbor. Individuals, individualism says, focus on me. What's good for me, right? And subjectivism, <laughs> you determine truth? No, God is the one who set up this world. God's the one who created it. God's the one intervening in it. God's honestly the one restraining us from sin and keeping us all alive right now so that we can listen to this awesome podcast. And again, I thank you guys so much for coming on and having this conversation. I think it was I think it's extremely needed and, and very well put together. So thank you guys again for coming on. Um, but 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 it's true. The, these things are a direct attack, I think, on Christianity. Jimmy, what are your thoughts on that? Oh, boy. You're going to ask me about subjectivism. Um, <laughs> Come on. Come on. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, okay. Just for, for first thing. 100% agreement with what, what the other Josh said about subjectivism and individualism lead to, leading to this kind of self-referential, um, like, 
plastic Christianity that I get to mold how I like it. And God is now some sort of divine Plato. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just, it's so, it's so, um, it's so appropriately what Jesus called building your house on sand, really. Yeah. And, yes. and they don't, ex- and, and that's the problem is they're building their house on the sand, thinking that sand is, you know, it's just tiny rocks. What's the difference? Like, no, mm-hmm. friend, that's not no. the same thing. And, uh, and, and it, it matters very much. Words matter. Reality matters. Truth matters. All of these things, they matter. Right. But mm-hmm. if, if, if it's the case that we're going to trace the, the idea of subjectivity in this individualism, the self, the self-referential thing, it's, it's like that whole thing comes out of the same place that birthed atheism and it's bad philosophy. It's bad philosophy. Right. And, and and Lewis is one of my favorite authors. And he said, good philosophy needs to exist if for no other reason than to answer bad philosophy. (laughs) This is exactly what I was talking about before. The church needs to get up on itself and understand thinking is not a sin. It is in fact a gift from almighty and we need to use it and use it well. And if we're not learning how to think, we'll be told what to think. And that is dangerous. Yes. I mean, I think of it in terms of, you know, you, what's the difference between, between reason and faith, right? Are, are they truly opposed to each other or just trying to do different things? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, we've seen a lot, I think, especially in, in certain, um, I want to say Luther is, is especially a part of this, this kind of thinking of, of looking at reason as, as being almost evil. Uh, right. Because it can... can um, it, it essentially be just used in service of our desires so that we just, you know, cons- convince ourselves of what we want to be true. Uh, and I, I think there's some, some real truth to that when we're talking about the ways that we can justify um, what, what we would want to be able to do <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and kind of go from there. Um, but if we're not careful with that, we can end up getting to this point where we have this idea that, that faith doesn't have any kind of reasonable basis behind it. And in fact, if you're trying to have a reasonable basis, you can't have faith. Um, I think maybe right. a better way to say it is that you can't logic your way to trust, right? Mm, right. You can, you can use logic and reason to build up things that, that then help you to feel more secure in trusting somebody. But at some point you just have to trust. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I I think when we think of faith more as, as trusting God, because we've been in relationship with God, we've seen what he's done in the past. We, we believe that he is faithful. that's a very different thing from just saying, you know, I don't really have any evidence or any reason or anything else, yeah. but I'm just going to believe that God exists. It's not a blind faith. I want to. Right. Right. Exactly. It's not a blind faith. Yeah. Right. Blind faith is what happens when you're told what to believe, not how to, and not <laughs> in, in what to think. Right. Mm. You're, you're not, you're not being taught. You're being in, in just merely indoctrinated. Yes. You know, like what we, we, what we don't need is a bunch of cookie cutter, you know, headless and chestless uh, uh, robot things that walk around saying, praise the Lord until something awful comes along and then go, well, I'm done with that now. You know, that's terrifying to think that what is it that, that, that the church is doing now that they, or isn't doing now that they were doing before. And I Mm -hmm. think this all wraps back around to discipleship, but also what you pointed out before is the fact that the people on top aren't having accountability. And honestly, if like, let's, let's say in my house, if whatever I do 
even in a small increment, those people who are looking to me are going to take it to excess always. So Mm. the pastor really needs to watch himself. The pastor's wife really needs to watch herself. The, the, the Sunday school people need to watch themselves Mm -hmm. and they need to be watching for one another. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, think about- and that's very important to what it is that the people who are who are depending on those people are supposed to be receiving. And it's integrity that is crucial to leadership. And if you're not worthy of if you're if you're worthy of following, you'll be a natural leader, really. And that's what God wants to do with people is make them worthy of following. Right. He does not want, right. want to just give you a platform and make you successful so that you can say you are 10,000 hallelujahs. He <laughs> right, wants to make right. you into a real leader so that you can be a compass that chooses to point north and lead people toward God. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Amen. So we mentioned uh, blind faith uh, and this only barely ties in, but I think about the blindness that we can have as well um, and recognizing that. Um, there's some truth uh, to uh, what I believe is what the usual suspects uh, where we talk about um, pulling a Kaiser Soze, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is interesting to me when you get into Greek a little bit, it's like, wait a minute, you're saying Caesar saves. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, that, you know, pulling a Kaiser Soze is, is that sense of like the greatest thing that the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he doesn't exist. Right. And, I think one of the other things that really just kind of adds into this is this sense that in a very real way, post-enlightenment in a postmodern society like the U.S., especially in Europe, what we have is a bunch of naturalists that somehow magically believe that Jesus is God made human also fully God, fully human at the same time who died and rose from the grave in a way that we can't explain naturalistically. Mm-hmm. Right. To me, it, it's a very strange thing to believe <laughs> like I'm essentially a naturalist, but there's also this other thing tacked on. Like, right. That, that's very like, how do you even do that? And, and, and I think part of the challenge that we have is as we read our Bibles, we read the Bible and we look at it with that lens. And so we just kind of never mind all of this other stuff that goes on. And we might believe in the devil, but even then, a lot of people don't anymore. Um, the only reason mm-hmm. we do is if, so we can blame stuff on him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, he didn't make me do it. Um, and, right. and, you know, I, I think that we've basically just kind of taken up a shallow version of of Christianity filtered through the Enlightenment that only retains the essentials. And what we're realizing is that when you do that, you're undermining some of the foundations that actually make the essentials believable. Right. Um, and I, I think it's a real challenge because um, we're, we're basically teaching people to live as if God doesn't exist, but also believe in God. Joshua, in the yeah. last couple minutes that we have, what do you think some of the antidotes are for everything that we've been talking about tonight? What are some of the antidotes or some of the remedies that we as the church can start implementing in fighting this thing? Hmm. We've uh, we've touched on them kind of as we've been going, but it's it's probably good to summarize for sure. Yeah. Um, so some of the things Jimmy was saying, you know, talking about discipleship, especially important, talking about leadership, uh, talking about 
you know, accountability. These are all very important things because they're ways that we relate to God and to each other. Uh, and, and that's, you know, really kind of how we get out of just being in a subjective individualistic world. We need to relate mm-hmm. to other people and to God and do it mm-hmm. properly. Amen. And um, live like all, Jesus yeah. to, you know, yes. not, not to interrupt, but live like Jesus, continue pressing forward. And because not only are you, not only are we called to share the good news, and this is, again, good news to everyone, right? But at the same time, we do, whenever we do that which is good, we reap burning coals on the heads of those, the, the wicked, the sinners, the, 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 the people you know, that, that aren't believing, and we need to live like Jesus. We need to start practicing what we preach, for sure. And, and like like you just said, Joshua, leadership, and, and Jimmy said a while ago, discipleship, accountability, live like Jesus. These are the first steps that I believe we can start implementing tonight to start fighting, to start to start destroying and overcoming deconstruction and apostasy within the church. Noah, you've been quiet, man. Uh, what are your thoughts on the on the episode in the last uh, few minutes? Noah might be busy, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jimmy, uh, same, <laughs> same question, just kind of wrapping up real quick. Um, um, what, what you are know, your one, one of the things that I don't think that we addressed really clearly or uh, really okay. maybe, maybe as explicitly is the idea of uh, doubt and how mm. um, honestly, a lot of these people say, well, I started to doubt, I started to doubt, but I wasn't comfortable with saying anything to anyone because we're just expected to have faith if you don't have faith. And it's just this like right. incriminating feeling. That doubt is not incriminating friends. Doubt can actually be an insanely useful tool if you are actually willing to engage with it headlong. If you if you look at your doubt in the face and you face it on purpose, it can be a great tool for you. But if you try to run away from it, it'll grow bigger than you not win. But understanding that doubt is actually something that can really assume forming the right questions. And then you can do the right looking for the right questions, find the right answers, because believe me, there are answers. And you find the right answers if you form the right questions. Doubt can be a remarkable tool if you're willing to use it by looking at it in the face. Stop running from doubt. Stop pretending like it isn't happening so that you can appease the opinion of people on your Sunday school. Like, really, you need to ask and you need to find. If you are doubting, this is the most serious thing in the world. If you are doubting, please stop pretending like you aren't. Reach Mm -hmm. out. Reach out to me. Reach out to Josh. Reach out to Jimmy. Go go ahead, Joshua. I was just going to say there's probably a whole room full of people that have some of the same questions. And if we don't address those questions well, then people are going to walk away from the faith because they are um, finding the limitations of it in the yes. doubts that they are not expressing. If you have questions, email us, completecenter at gmail.com. We will do a part two of this episode. We will do. We will answer all your questions that you have. I, I didn't say it tonight, uh, but you're more than welcome to call into the show, 855-450-6624, if you are experiencing doubt. Yes, please reach out. Like I said, reach out to me on Facebook. Reach out to Jimmy or Joshua Davidson. Reach out to Joshua Sherman. Uh, reach out to Travis Worth or Michael Keaton or, or Noah Chalaya or all of us here. If you are doubting, trust me, 
we we're not living on blind faith we have answers for everyone everyone looking for answers uh we have them and and, and guys i just want to thank you for coming on like i said i i mentioned it a while ago this was supposed to be a roundtable appreciation night but i do want you guys to know and 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 chase if you're listening or or ty or travis or michael or everyone that contributes to the show thank you so much i do appreciate what you guys do i love you all thank you for coming on the show and catch us next week i have no idea i'm not even going to say what the episode is going to be next week because i don't know yet but we're going to get it we're going to get it started soon and we hope to see you guys back completecentered.com that's the website check it out love you guys god bless stay safe and we will see you next time on the complete center's guide 